It's River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. It's golf season out there if you've been watching the River Heights TV, so you know that we're excited this week to be talking about our... Golf playing. Woman watching. Barty dodging. Jimmy Harlow fan, Nancy Nancy Drew. Drew. Have you been playing golf recently, Hopester? No, you wish. I do wish. I, I need to watch women golf more. You just loved this book. Oh, man. Instead of confining their sport to one chapter, it oh. was just absolutely... Golf. Yes, we find they're all guests of Carson Drew. They're at the Deer Mountain Hotel. Yes, they have a yet unrevealed mystery to be solving. They're talking to their golf caddy. Nancy has lost her ball. Bess and George, as always, they're with her on this little golf tour. George Fane, a trim-looking brunette with short hair and a boyish name. (laughs) A little redundant. You told me her name was George. You don't need to editorialize (laughs) right afterwards. Yeah, so she's with her caddy who gets a little bit spooked. And her caddy says... I am not going to go after that ball. He explains to her that there's a haunted bridge down there and a horrible ghost. Best is like, a, a, a real ghost? But Nancy... But Nancy smiled. What will the ghost do to me? Nancy's curiosity about the haunted bridge distracted her attention from the rest of her game. But we do learn that George and Bess thoroughly enjoyed golf. Both played well, but it was Nancy's score which had attracted the attention of the club's golf pro. I I can't think about a game when there's a good mystery afoot. Bess says, you will certainly qualify for this tournament. That is, if you don't let your mind wander off on the mystery. It's, quote, an important championship tournament. Let's not, let's not split any hairs here. This, is, this one's important. Marty Bardescu. He asks if he can join their golf game. Nancy politely accepts with no warmth in her voice. Villain slash boyfriend of the book. Yeah, he's kind of both this time. New combo for Nancy. She met him only yesterday, and he immediately asked her out on a golfing date. Nancy had taken an instant dislike to him and politely declined the invitation. It only made it hotter for him. The primary emotion of these girls to Bardescu, best decides is Barty. Marty Barty. Is disgust. I think they use that word six times to describe yes we would have have to run into him best commented in disgust he's like a non-name dropping name dropper oh i've often played with royalty Mm. like he doesn't say who obviously he liked to brag and nancy doubted the truth of his many stories of being friends with famous people later he tells her stories all about africa nancy doubted he'd ever been to the place (laughs) yes party proves to be a real downer he distracts her so she plays poorly and since she plays poorly he decides she needs a lesson in golf she loves being mansplained the game game. at least we don't have to watch him do that thing where he sidles up behind her Mm. (laughs) i mean all but right just about she's intensely annoyed by this because he's just just keeps offering advice. He pisses off Bess because he jumps up and down to make the ball go in. What a cartoonish point in the book. Does that work? This is not a well-maintained golf course. Bess says, of all the conceited people. Nancy scores so well that she qualifies for the tournament, but needs someone to sign off that she'd done it. Barty is the first to be like, I'll be your witness. 
and she notices that he signs his name rather slowly and painfully. <laughs> Too precise in his signature. As they walk away, George prophesizes, you're stuck with him. Nancy, as Bess and George tease her, says, I dislike his type and you both know it. But she's interested in one thing and she lets them know of her new clue. Yeah. What's up with his signature? You seem to observe everything, Nancy. And later says, I guess that's why she has solved so many baffling mysteries. Nancy knows how to make use of her eyes and we don't. Dad trained me to be observant. Nancy thought proudly of her father, Carson Drew, whose fame as a criminal lawyer was nationwide. Through helping him, Nancy herself had achieved distinction. And then after it gives us this whole paragraph of explanation, uh, it says, Thinking of the woman who had cared for her like a mother, Nancy smiled. Is the suggestion here that the entire several paragraphs of exposition were us following Nancy's thoughts? You know, before you go to a mystery, you have to think about your whole life. She was now a well-known amateur detective with a long list of successful mystery cases to her credit. Despite how much Carson has taught her to observe things, she does not observe Barty observing her as she goes to the hotel desk and asks to see essentially a sample of his handwriting. You described him as perhaps her true Moriarty. I love it. This is literally the first time I'm seeing a villain behave with any competence. He regarded her intently for a moment, then dodged into a telephone booth. And she just doesn't notice it. Any other villain would just have a big yell about what's going on. How dare you? Not not Barty. He's sneaky. Best now nicknames him Barty the Bargin. <laughs> and they decide he probably goes by several aliases. George commented with a look of disgust. Nancy, Bess, and George were never at a loss for partners at this dance. Barty was persistent and danced with Nancy several times. Though he was an excellent dancer, Nancy did not enjoy being with him. He also firmly steers her towards the terrace. She was annoyed, but told herself this might be a chance to find out more about the man. She wants to find out what's going on with all these signatures, so she slyly brings it up. Graphology intrigues me. She says, you know, handwriting's interesting. In the semi-darkness, she did not notice her companion regard her shrewdly as he answered. She doesn't even know he's being shrewd. I've got a, like a bunch of handwritings depending on my, my mood. Today your charm had me so baffled I could hardly sign my name at all. Romantic. He, he gets pretty close and personal, backs her into a corner and says, Nancy, you are very attractive. In all my life, I've never met anyone that I, but will never know what he was going to say. Nancy backs up, not realizing she's on a ledge, falls into a flower bed and sprains her hand. But what of the golf tournament? The situation was intensely embarrassing to her. She did not wish to explain that her fall from the terrace had been caused by trying to avoid Bartescu's unwelcome attentions. We also found that interesting, just that it's embarrassing to her that he was coming onto her. It says a lot about how we're viewing women and their relationships with men. Mm -hmm. For the rest of the novel, let's just get it over with and spoil it now. <laughs> is there's a big back and forth with the doctor about whether she's going to be allowed to play in the tournament each game. Is she going to be... Will she, won't she? Guys, she obviously plays the golf tournament. She obviously wins the trophy. And if you think she doesn't, I don't know what to tell you. So we're just not going to talk about it anymore. But that's like a third of the book. <laughs> 
So Nancy has her hand wrapped, is feeling miserable, and Bess and George, the well-meaning but inexperienced masseuses... So funny. ...convinced her to let them massage her. I think they're just taking out their traumas on her. Bess says, there's absolutely nothing to it. And if your friend ever says, eh, massaging, nothing to it. Don't let them give you a massage. They're somehow so bad at massaging that the liniment they use smells awful. It's disgusting. It goes further than their inexperience to their bad taste. She she takes a lot of pummeling and pounding. And George gets a little bit defensive. This is a free massage, so don't be so critical. <laughs> and at the end, Nancy's just like, I can't take anymore. And they say, we're through now anyway. Yeah, we were done, Nancy. You're gonna feel fine in the morning. And in the morning, she feels great. Ned decides to make a late night call to her hotel when she answers the phone weirdly ned says oh your voice doesn't sound natural which is a weird thing to say to anyone but is there any connection to the fact that later when she's disguising her voice barty says that to her as well the same exact line or are they just copying pasting stuff i honestly would have thought she was now very used to disguising her voice after doing it for an entire novel right she lets uh ned know about barty and how annoyed she is with him ned is here showing the first colors of being fairly insecure during this book even when he calls he says i thought you would like to hear from an old friend (laughs) meaning me (laughs) he's also showing the previous novels form of masculinity where he's like i'd like to give that guy a going over he wouldn't forget remember that time i beat up that strong guy She asks Ned for a special favor, which is to research Bardescue. And that's when jealousy rears its mighty head. Nancy, you're not actually interested in that man. Any person that Nancy looks into the background of, she might want to date. So he agrees to do that. The next day, Nancy receives flowers from Barty. And Bess and George are jelly. So later on, Nancy has to get them their own flowers. And it's all very strange because Bess and George do not do poorly with men. They convince her to wear the flowers to the like dining room because flowers are flowers, but that's only going to really show interest to Barty. It signals interest, right? Yeah. Well, in the end, uh, the big thing is it's a clue because there's a third handwriting on the note. She finds out it was just the florist's handwriting because he asked her to write the note. Which maybe is also suspicious. So it's all part of the suspicion of Vardescue. I just think it almost seems cruel to like be like, teehee, I'm going to send my friends flowers so they won't feel left out. Just kind of shows Nancy looking down upon them that they won't receive their own flowers. Bess thinks it's a sweet joke anyways. (laughs) We finally get to figure out why Carson Drew is at Deer Mountain Hotel. Tell us all, Carson. He is trying to wrangle a group of jewel thieves. Who have apparently been thieving for a while. Carson says the woman detective who was on the case is ill and he needs another woman detective to take care of it. That's right. Nancy's going to be a spy. She wants Nancy to help him find a particular woman who's involved with this jewel thievery. Detectives have learned that the woman carries an expensive jeweled compact set with diamonds and precious stones. 
In the case is a small picture of a child. We had, There's no more information. That's it. That's right. These jewel thieves are so tricky that they have only determined there is a jeweled compact. They don't even know if there's only one jeweled compact. Where did they get this information? Like, who did they talk to that's like, well, I can tell you that inside her compact, she carries a small picture of a child. Her hair color, you know, I don't know that. I'm going to tell you, Carl, my theory is that there's a whole gang of women. Each one of them has a jeweled compact. That's their thing. That's like the colors for their gang. That's what they get when they're initiated. We're the jeweled compact gang. Yes, yes. And each one of them puts their daughter's picture or like a niece or just a random child even. Only, Only when you're a full member do you get to put a daughter's picture in there. So the problem is these witnesses describe a different woman every time because it is a different that, woman That must be time. what it is. Well, either way, for, for this story, for whatever reason, she's not looking for a woman. She's looking for a, a, an accessory. This is definitely the architecture of the book because Carl has been very caught up. Either way, Nancy finds out that spying is not as exciting as she oh might my God. have thought. Yeah, Carson drops this line. Cheerfully, he says, an investigator's work is always tedious. <laughs> Which, like, why am I reading about it? But <laughs> fine. I mean, I found it pretty interesting, but I guess Carson's been doing the tedious stuff for Nancy. Nancy is definitely used to investigating and she knows it's tedious. Yeah, but it's also extra tedious to just, like, go around watching people. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing from hotel to hotel, but her thing is just to go to the bathroom and look for women's compacts. However, when she's at the Hemlock Hotel, she becomes completely absorbed in her task of studying the women guests. It's this moment of almost rebellion where she's like, I'm late to meet my dad, but I'm really bored that I didn't, I don't have anything to report to him. I want more sleuthing. I guess I better check out the powder room where she finds an attractive woman. Noting that this uh, woman couldn't be the person she's after due to the sad expression on her face. If they're sad, they are not jewel thieves. No, jewel thieves are notoriously joyful. <laughs> that was your line, but I stole it. Oh man, that's good. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah, you said that the other day. This attractive woman happens to have a jeweled compact. I personally find it sort of the creepiest way Nancy could have gone about it. She was staring at this woman for long enough that the woman finally couldn't ignore it anymore. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, what? And she's like, can I see your jeweled compact? And personally, I might be a little rude in this case and just kind of flash it at her and be like, gotta go. I'm late for an appointment, you know? Not this lady. She's like, feel, feel it. Take it. She's very trusting. Feel the gems. Yeah. They're real. <laughs> but what's not real was a picture of a child inside. No picture of a child. She's not in the So game. she's innocent. She's sad. No picture of a child. Must have quit. So that's all a big goose egg of nothingness. And yet she becomes the only clue somehow in the mystery that Nancy will continue to doggedly follow. Nancy's just obsessed with her. <laughs> yeah, that's this is all that Nancy has is one woman who she knows isn't involved. Nancy decides they need to go visit the haunted bridge, not least of which is because she's still looking for her golf ball. Okay, that's not just any golf ball. That golf ball was signed by Jimmy Harlow. You know Jimmy Harlow? Jimmy the golfer Harlow? Yeah. He signs balls and hits <laughs> hole-in-ones. Well, shucks. Yeah. I would go near a haunted bridge for that. I, you know what, it's even if a, if a golf ball even smelled like Jimmy Harlow, I would... I would go to the end of the earth for it. If he'd even looked at it. If, if, if a golf ball had touched Jimmy Harlow's caddy. 
<laughs> That's enough for me. <laughs> so Bess murmured nervously, Oh, we shouldn't go there alone. George, now, don't be silly. You know very well there are no ghosts. It's only a story, of course. Bess, stories seldom originate out of nothing. We've seen this exact conversation before in The Broken Locket, where George is like, You dummy, there are no ghosts. And Bess is like, Other people have seen them, so there's something. Right. And again, it is scarier if somebody's trying to scare you away from a place than if a ghost is just really sad and wants to be at that place. I'd rather <laughs> hang out with a ghost than like a gang of people who don't want me there. Exactly. So come on, Nancy urged. We'll approach quietly and see if we can surprise the ghost. It's Luckily, this is a ghost that was a little bit more believable than the <laughs> fishing wire and sound projection <laughs> we got in the broken locket. Bess pleaded with her companions to give up the adventure, but they paid no attention. We, you know, it's Bess. Luckily, it's all just a scarecrow. It's a scarecrow. Bess points out scarecrows don't scream and make noises. There's some screaming and moaning. We'll get to it. Yeah. The Haunted Bridge. The bridge of the book. Yeah. Not surprisingly. The namesake, yeah. Also rickety like all the other Nancy Drew bridges. I think it will hold me, Nancy said as she cautiously stepped under the bridge. Famous last words. Bess warns Nancy not to go on this bridge. Nancy makes her way to the middle, realizes, yeah, this is a pretty rickety bridge, makes her way back, (laughs) and then the book says Nancy did not want to upset her friends. You didn't care. You went on that bridge. You don't care if you upset your friends. She's herself decided it's dangerous and is like, well, for you, for you, I won't do it. George mentions, Nancy, you certainly were born lucky. And this time, Nancy's luck leads her to a small brass chest. I love where it says, that's not my ball. It's made of brass. It is this moment where like... <laughs> I don't remember. That. Yeah. That's great. It's like, <laughs> that's great. It's like, yeah. And it's big. <laughs> And it's a chest. (laughs) I mean, there's a few things that different. Jimmy Harlow didn't sign it. There's a few things. Bess has some theories about how this chest might have gotten there. Perhaps the scarecrow put it there in his off-duty hours, Bess suggested with a grin. And George, (laughs) haha, very funny. Sounds like your brain has gone (laughs) off-duty. Your joke isn't funny. (laughs) I imagine George has just enough lack of humor that she's like, no, probably not. (laughs) Nancy's carrying this chest back into the hotel because they can't get it open. Stupid Barty comes walking up to them. But Bess is the clever one this time. She takes her sweater, tosses it over it, and hides it effectively from Barty, I guess. I've done a lot of shoplifting that way. It works. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> at the mall? Yeah, at the, at the Riverview Mall. Yeah. <laughs> they can't stop me. I love when Nancy realizes how to get it open because it's the most convoluted way. <laughs> but it goes, why didn't I think of it before? And then she goes and gets golf cleats. Yeah, she has to go on quite a walk. And there's like a picture of her pounding with one golf cleat on another <laughs> golf cleat on this brass box. <laughs> and it works. So like, good job. But the way in which she's just like, oh, duh. Nancy was the first to recover from her astonishment. It's almost unbelievable. And this is, I guess, just how Nancy perceives, like, treasure. This is basically the same scenario as when they found the treasure in The Secret of Shadow Ranch. Everyone stands aghast for a moment. Nancy's the first one to be like, yeah, that's treasure. With a little clue that the book wants us to continue to think of uh, Nancy's middle class, best murmurs, Nancy, you'll be rich. These gems are so real looking that even a casual glance from the girls verifies 
terrifies. They are real. Just like put your thoughts behind you that they might not be. There is a child's photo in the jeweled compact. We've now proven Mm -hmm. that the jeweled compact that Nancy Drew was looking for was in the brass case buried. Not the jeweled (laughs) compact of the woman she saw at the Hemlock Hotel. Nope. And yet, Nancy still has some questions for her. She's hot, Carl. Yeah. Nancy cannot tell her friends why this photo is so important. Right, her father has her kind of sworn to secrecy. Now she takes a moment to go tease Chris the caddy. Oh, about whether it's haunted. Yeah, trying to convince him to go get her autographed ball. He's horrified to learn it was... A Jimmy Harlow ball. Throughout this book, we're going to get a lot of mentions that this ball was <laughs> signed by Jimmy Harlow. I We should have looked up if this guy was real or not. Mm. We will before we tweet about this episode. But he's a big deal. Chris has a lot of information for Nancy about the girl that she saw at Hemlock Hotel. By coincidence. Yeah, he, he kind of just knows the area. The woman had mentioned that she was sad because her house had burned down. Yeah, and he knows that the house on the other side of that haunted bridge burned down. So he knows that his mom knows who that woman is, maybe. It gets pretty convoluted. Miss Margaret Judson over there, the Judsons were strange, by the way, (laughs) ran away and left her fiancé. No explanation. All sorts of drama. Yeah. And it is, according to the book, Nancy's first tangible clue as to the identity of this young woman. And as you pointed out, I guess the chest was found near this woman's property so ipso facto it's probably hers <laughs> yeah we're not gonna go back to his mom as a character but his mom does show up a few times and annoy nancy with her information that isn't really information at one point nancy felt that she was rightfully aggravated <laughs> Just because she didn't get any info from this woman. This isn't your book, lady. They're talking about Nancy's second golf match, and I love Nancy's little sports insight. It won't be easy, Nancy replied. The second match is always harder than the first, because you're facing a better player. Oh, guys, sports. That's a good insight, Nancy. Thank you. (laughs) So Nancy wants to return to the bridge. Though the idea of the trek did not appeal to Bess, she and George agreed to accompany Nancy. Barty walks up. They pretty much are like, do not come with us. He's like, oh, I get it. This is just for the girls. They're like, yes. Mm -hmm. Bess says, do you think Barty suspects we're on a special search? Right. Nancy, he acted as if he does. I mean, and he kind of does. Yeah. Like, he has the same vibe as the guy on the airplane, as anyone else who shows this much interest in Nancy, which is, it's a villain. And they know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, he he clearly is not leaving her alone. Yeah. In this very creepy way. I have a strong hunch we're walking straight into trouble, Bess says. George laughs at Bess's fears. Don't be negative. I love it because Bess, I mean, she's she's right more than she's wrong on that kind of hunch. Yeah. Granted, that's always her hunch, but... If they're going to the ice cream shop, she doesn't get that <laughs> hunch. No, that's know. true. She gets the hunch that there's a Sunday waiting for her. They're crossing the bridge... Mm-hmm. And the scarecrow blows in the wind or something and wraps its arms around. <laughs> yeah, like one of those like one of those car sales things floating around, flapping around. <laughs> Just like grabs her and she screams. Yeah, Nancy, we don't want to broadcast our arrival, Bess. You'd scream too if that thing wrapped itself around you. She said they don't want to broadcast their presence. There's someone screaming in the woods anyway. And Bess kind of comes back at her. She's like, excuse me, you'd scream too. And this is funny for me because George immediately interrupts. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and then Nancy, uh, 
what are we looking for at this burn mansion? Like, <laughs> best do not step up to this one. This is the one thing we don't do. We argue with each other. We do not argue with Nancy. So Buzz is very disappointed that this burnt house is just a burnt down house. Right. Buzz, is this what we've come to see? George, what did you expect? That some genie had restored the house? idiot (laughs) meanwhile as george is scolding bass it says nancy had hoped that the charred remains would yield a clue such as a photograph (laughs) sure why not so george is like dissing bass but nancy is also that's what nancy had wanted (laughs) i like hasn't this house been burnt down for like two years (laughs) yeah what photo what are you expecting Guess like, like an intact stone basement, maybe. I or... yeah, maybe just like you know half of a note. <laughs> I mean, clues just do come to Nancy. That's true. She's a clue magnet. Fess <laughs> and George did not urge their friend to reveal her secret because of her promise to her father. But at this point, they can tell something's up. I wonder how much George and Bess know what's going on mystery to mystery anyway. I think at least they usually know they're on a mystery, and this time they're just like, the mystery of the Jimmy Harlow book? (laughs) (laughs) Now that they've investigated the Brentdown house, Nancy reports to Dad. And as soon as she explains what they found in the case, Carson says, Well, Nancy, keep your eyes open for that woman you encountered at Hemlock Hall. She'll probably be wanted for questioning. But again, why? Now that you've specifically found that she's not the one with the case. I get being like, well, maybe we should talk to her. But she's wanted for questioning now? More evidence of my theory that they are aware there are multiple women with multiple cases. Yeah, something bumped up her terror alert. And I don't know what it is. Nancy thinks to herself, Margaret isn't a jewel thief. Not if she's any judge of character. And she typically is. She just didn't look like the type. She was sad. Yeah, they're coming out of the woods over the bridge and they see Barty in the middle of his tournament match. They get to see Barty throwing his ball. Did you see that? Nancy whispered in great disgust. He cheated. He didn't need to cheat to win. He just was so prideful. Yeah, he didn't want to take that penalty. And it's like we're just keeping him out of the area of of, of indefensible. Yeah. Like, he cheated, but he didn't cheat to win. He's sneaky, but he's not necessarily a suspect. That's the nerve of him. Bess is always the one with the kind of, like, righteous anger, I feel She definitely has the strongest moral fortitude of the group. Yes. (laughs) So now Carson has to go. He has to go talk to the New York detectives. He does warmly praise Nancy before he leaves. Nancy decides she wants to go find the old gardener who knew Margaret Judson, who she thinks is the hot woman she saw at Hemlock Hall. And she thought she saw that gardener at the burned down mansion, though who's to say? So she does find him, and he runs away, even though she screams at him, don't run away. She specifically asked him (laughs) not to. So Barty sends a rather bold note. He says, Nancy, I've won all my matches. Very hot. Uh, If you win yours too, let's celebrate together. I look forward to escorting you to the dance at Hemlock Hall. Nancy fumed. He takes it for granted that I'd be thrilled to go. But... Much to her friend's dismay, she follows that up by being like, maybe I will go. But maybe I will. I hate him, but... (laughs) George says, how can you expect to have any fun with him? It's a mystery. (laughs) It's not about the fun. Bess and George, now we find out, already have dates. 
They're like, how can you go with Barty? And then they had dates that they weren't even going to bring up because Nancy didn't have one. But supposedly Nancy's like way above them. Socially. Socially. How often in Bess and George's life do you think they forego social obligations because Nancy's the one with the mystery? Well, like constantly, right? Constantly, right? They're always off at some obscure location with Nancy. Like we heard Nancy in like the third book say like, no time for boys. I have a mystery. Nancy gets a boyfriend of the book. We don't often see them getting boyfriends of the book. No, they just hope their men show up for manly assistance. (laughs) Now we take a break for some more golf. Nancy resolutely puts aside any thoughts of the baffling mystery. What matters is Ruth Allison is a really mean opponent. Yeah. And Barty vouches that Nancy didn't cheat when Ruth Allison decides she did. I guess he's kind of a ride or die villain. Yes. He's with Nancy no matter what. At the soda shop, Nancy finds out that Barty was there all afternoon trying to write telegrams and then crumpling them up. And throwing them away, yeah. The telegram boy (laughs) keeps one of them. Yeah. And he proposes to show it to Nancy. Who's already looked over his shoulder and saw that it had something to do with Margaret Judson. (laughs) Right. So she's gotten a hint of a clue from spying. Mm -hmm. But when he offers her to read it, she says, no. I'm not interested in Mr. Bardescu's private affairs. Then she walks away and is like, maybe I should have listened. Maybe I should have read that. There's that detective spirit of the stairs. Should I have been detecting? It seems prideful. Yeah, I want to know. But I don't want anyone to know I want to know. Yeah. Nancy asks Bess and George to follow her to the dance. Right, because she drives with Mr. Bardescu. And this is about the point in the book where Nancy knows... This is prime kidnapping time. Yeah. So, like, keep a close eye on me. This is the most time Nancy has spent with any villain. He does act a little bit like a kidnapper. In fact, she has to set down some boundaries. Oh, let's not go so fast, says Nancy. Barty, this is the way I like to travel. (laughs) Nancy, well, I don't. If you refuse to slow down, I'll never go out with you again. Barty grumbled. All right. And then for some minutes, they rode in silence. River Heights Radio applauds Nancy for her boundaries of the book. That's, it's really good setting of boundaries. If you're with a date and they're driving too fast, say something. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Nancy cajoles Barty into admitting he lied and didn't see her not cheating. That's true. Nancy was not flattered to find this out. She wanted to tell him how important and enjoyable it was to play any competitive game honestly and with a good sportsmanlike attitude. But she decided she would gain nothing by revealing her true feelings. She really doesn't enjoy this date with Bardescu. In fact, she spends the entire time maintaining an alert watch for a woman with a jeweled compact, giving us another clue that it could be multiple women because she doesn't say for Margaret. Barty admits that he does know Margaret Judson. They met in Europe. She's a pretty woman, but boring. (laughs) And when we hear her perspective on him later in the book, it's very similar. This night will be entirely wasted, Nancy thought in disappointment, because she has seen no jeweled compacts, and the dance is nearly over. If it's not a good mystery night, it's not a good night. But then, her date leaves for just a little bit, and she escapes, as she overhears women talking. One of them is Margaret Judson, and the other one she doesn't know, but seems to be threatening Margaret Judson. So, she just, like, runs all over trying to chase these women. I don't know where these women are going. Going, but she runs through like the I don't know corn maze they have outside. <laughs> 
and accidentally runs smack dab into this couple and the guy is pretty mad at her yeah he did he he had, he had no patience for nancy's yeah, nonsense yeah watch where you're going it's the taken ones that she has to worry about <laughs> she does a whole elevator scene runs up the stairs when she sees them go into the elevator does not find margaret judson finds the other woman the other woman's like i know nothing about margaret judson i don't know where she lives just f off basically it's very anticlimactic barty shows up and he's very amused that she saw margaret judson and uh against her will nancy was led back to the ballroom she did not try to escape from her partner again the next day nancy sees her dad his trip was also a waste of time they found that nothing in the case was stolen Mm. except the jeweled compact further confusion for me do they steal all their jeweled compacts it doesn't matter she relays some of her information he says we must trace that woman from the clues you've gathered i'm certain she's the woman we're after again maybe i'm just not a detective hope okay so i figured this out the connection is they know this jeweled compact with the child's photo is something Mm -hmm. and they strongly suspect the chest is margaret judson's okay so the assumption is even if she isn't the person she knows the person which doesn't up being true god you're such a good detective i know nancy real quick tricks barty into playing tennis with her dad one of my favorite ways she scrapes him off her shoe she decides to go check on the gardener she found out that he lived on the other side of the bridge so they they head over there let's just go see what he's up to i think she says <laughs> yeah right. and the first thing they see is him sauntering out of his house with a rifle Ooh. and nancy says one of my favorite quotes let's see what he's up to with that rifle <laughs> Okay. Bess says something about there being a lot of hunters in the area. Bess makes a noise at the wrong freaking moment. Scares the guy. And he shoots himself in the head. He shoots himself in the head! (laughs) Alright, so for those uh, squeamish listeners, don't worry. It was only a slight trickle of blood that oozed from the wound on his forehead. It only grazed his head, but he was out for days. Poison bullets, maybe? Nancy asks George to run for the doctor. I love Bess tries to stop George, saying, You're not afraid to cross the haunted bridge alone? George, of course not. She's not afraid. It's a scarecrow. But there is screaming, and it is scary, Carl. Yeah, but it's specifically not the bridge that's screaming. Yeah, but when we find out what it is... So then there's the classic, Oh, at least it's not raining. And then it starts raining. Mm -hmm. So they have to rush him back to his cabin, even before the doctor gets there to which nancy immediately takes her opportunity to spy all around the cabin she finds a picture of margaret judson which dun, dun, dun. she has signed mm, yeah and now we know for the first time that the woman she met is in fact margaret judson yes <laughs> that's the funnier thing to me that they don't even know that that's margaret judson just that there was a house that burnt down i feel like there are a lot of these mysteries mm. where when we finally get confirmation we've already assumed it for so long that mm. it's not that interesting Bess says nancy aren't you going to close the window the wind is blowing directly across the bed nancy has completely neglected her patient to go spy on her patient in fact at one point when the screaming resumes Mm -hmm. and nancy decides to go find out what in the backyard of this shed is screaming (laughs) ballsy move she's lost interest in the others in the room to such a degree that Bess pleads don't leave me here alone the book says her words fell on deaf ears of course yeah. in case you listeners were wondering what this scream sounded like we're gonna play it for you now 
That's terrifying. That... That's worse than a loon. <laughs> that is a mountain lion screaming. And it is in a cage in the gardener's backyard. That's his pet. This is pet mountain lion. Yeah, which I love that they immediately feel obligated to take care of because it's his pet. It's not going to be easy, though, to take care of it. In fact, later Nancy comments, a man is really needed around here. What happens next is George, the doctor, Carson Drew, Ned Nickerson, Bert, George's friend, Dave, who dated Bess. They all show up and in a storybook reading all at once. Hi, said everyone. That is what when you pointed that out to me. <laughs> it's in quotes, guys. It's not like everyone said hi. It's quote, hi, unquote, said everyone. <laughs> Nancy's like, I guess I'll miss my match and just stay here to take care of this patient and this mountain lion that only men should probably be taking care of. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> If only I had a man. So Ned, Bert, and Dave decide they will watch over the patient and they will take care of this lion. When Nancy's like, oh, are you sure you want to stay here? Ned shrugs and says, it would cost a lot to stay at the hotel. This place is good enough. Yeah, hotels are expensive. You know, this is an insurance salesman. He's a college kid. He's no longer lives with his parents. Well, Nancy <laughs> continues to flourish in the wealth of her father. He's like, oh boy, um... Well, what if I stay in the murderer's house? Then can I come on adventures with you? <laughs> Do you give insurance for helping on your mysteries? <laughs> hey, you've been shot in the head. Do you have uh, insurance? Or... <laughs> Nancy asks Ned to keep records of Mr. Haley. Just in case he says anything in his sleep that's useful at all. Also, it's just to make Ned feel important. <laughs> He needs a big boy job to do. Nancy, the solution of a very complex mystery may be in your hands. It's all up to you, Ned. Bet I'll solve it for you. <laughs> he really wants to show he's something here. You know, Carson is, of course, good at bowling, but it seems that he lost his tennis matches to Barty. Yeah, Barty's a good tennis player. He's, he's at least telling the truth about that. Barty, in one of the most boastful, weird moves I have heard of, sends Nancy a, a, a golf ball autographed by himself and asks her to use it for luck in her coming match. I guess he thinks his autograph is just as important as Jimmy Harlow's. <laughs> Nancy reveals that she thinks he might be a forger. All her friend George needs to hear. <laughs> then why not report him to the police, George suggested. <laughs> you don't, like, that. you need a forgery. You can't just be someone who can forge to go to jail. Like, you need to do it. <laughs> so now we take a break for Nancy to do an elaborate thing to trick Barty. She gets on a bus, goes to town... Finds a phone and calls him in a fake voice. A nasal tone. This is when we get the weird echo of Ned. When she introduces herself as Margaret, mm -hmm. he says, Your voice doesn't sound natural. I have a bad cold. <laughs> Bus, George, and Nancy trail him to a theater. Nancy goes in to find him. Because he said he would meet Miss Judson there. She comes out. Ned's car is gone. So she just has to kind of sit on the curb like a kid after a soccer game whose parents <laughs> forgot to pick her up. Went in to meet Miss Judson there and then left again, so they trailed him. What 
of the stupider things we have seen best too. Nancy comes into the hotel room and says, oh, that looks like a good book you're reading, Bess. How is it? Oh Bess says, gosh. oh, this thing? It's so boring. I thought it looked good because of the title. But it turns out it's about medieval history. So What title was that? <laughs> yes. And Bess decides <laughs> that Nancy... Fresh off of barely healing her sprained hand well enough to go play a tournament, should catch this heavy book. She's like, you want to see it? And she just tosses it. And it hits her injured hand. But such is her pride that she cannot allow her friends to know. Bess, I'll never forgive myself. Nancy reassures her, but actually was suffering intense pain. Before she goes to sleep, she prays for a night of restful sleep, but like then she cannot sleep because of this extreme pain. She has to get sedatives in the night. In the morning, she's fine. Luckily for Bess, I would hate Nancy to have lost that tournament because of Bess. I mean, she never was going to lose the tournament, but yeah, 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 yeah. So Nancy decides to take a new tack. She's found out that the ex-fiance of Margaret Judson is a local professor named Mark. Mm-hmm. And how many local professors named Mark can there be? It turns out two. two. Yes. So she goes to the one house mm-hmm. and they say no. And they give her the address of the other house. Yeah. So she goes to the other guy. He's not home. According to the housekeeper, a professor who is deeply interested in nature lore. Are you a student here says the maid after all these questions to which nancy nancy says no and just and then it's the next scene that's it no but she leaves a note to get a hold of her or to come see her Mm -hmm. she goes and plays in another game they're almost done when it starts to rain very sportsmanlike they both agree to go take a break yeah because it's raining nancy says ho ho a chance to go see my boyfriend the haunted bridge which has been biding its time. This entire book, this is its time to strike. It really sounded like you said, time to go see my boyfriend, The Haunted Bridge. Boyfriend of the book, The Haunted Bridge. The Haunted Bridge. (laughs) Finally, that old bridge is about to, as Bess warned her, have the last laugh. Yes, and she gets sopping wet. Probably would have been from the rain anyway. Somehow scarier than falling apart, the whole thing just unmoors. The bridge just flows downstream and Mm. she falls off of it. I would rather be amongst a bunch of lumber than one whole bridge chasing me. What's scary to me is it's one of those rare cases where absolutely no one has any idea where Nancy is. Right. Like she has told no one that she's going to go visit her boyfriend. This is like her skin diving and getting stuck underwater. Like this is one of those times when Nancy might have died and there would have been no record for a while. They probably would have assumed it was the jewel thieves, honestly. The other boys are out feeding the lion and Ned's like, well, I guess I better go do that too. Leave you alone with this guy. I like that Mr. Haley says one of the most badass things you can say after waking up from a near coma. I have to get up. My lion will starve. (laughs) Meanwhile, Nancy Drew has a very cliche line. I am Nancy Drew and I have come to help you. (laughs) I love that. That's a good one. (laughs) Nancy borrows his clothes to let hers dry by the fire. Ned thinks she looks good in them. By the way, you look great in Mr. Haley's clothes. I'll bet I do, she laughed. (laughs) The other boys go out to check the bridge and then return to the cabin for ropes and tools, saying they were going to try and pull the structure back into place and anchor it securely. Which they succeed in doing. Who are these people? Yeah, what'd you do today? Oh, I fed a mountain lion and then I, like, re a bridge. It's just college kids. These are the, 
coolest kids I've ever heard of. What'd you do on your spring break? <laughs> Where's Bert and Dave's book? Thank goodness they replaced that bridge because the professor shows up. Bursts into the cabin looking for the gardener who he'd heard was hurt. Turns out it's his uncle. That's why we find out they're both interested, as the professor puts in, nature lore. And Margaret's chest. <laughs> True. <laughs> Nancy is uh, updating the professor about her search for Margaret Judson and the jewel thieves to some extent, what she can tell him, but she can't really tell him much. Gets more background on the tragedy of Mrs. Judson running away at the altar. Is even more sure that she's innocent. But uh, unfortunately, this is when Ned returns. Ned is, as he has been in this book, jealous. You'd be jealous too. You've seen your talk with that smart man. What hot professor. <laughs> even though she explains that he's the gardener's nephew, and even though she gave him a warm smile as if to reassure him. It did not lessen Ned's feeling of jealousy. And Nancy's pretty much like, uh, okay, well, bye. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your insecurity. She's got golf and mysteries to do. Professor Wardell? Is that his name? Anyways, the professor and yes, Mr. Wardell. Drew immediately like each other <laughs> they're both men of smartness <laughs> the professor informs us margaret judson was so honorable and comes from a fine family she couldn't possibly have any connection with a gang of thieves and smugglers nancy decides she wants to cheer the boys up by cooking them dinner but she forgets to leave bess and george a note they've yeah. already not known where she was all day it's gotta have been like 24 hours like they're contacting missing persons or something well they were already gone because they were looking for her and then she sees that they're not there and doesn't leave a note. Yeah, you always leave a note. The boys declare it was the first really good cooking they had had since they'd arrived. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. You've been alone in a stranger's weird cabin. <laughs> eating what I can only assume is mountain lion food. Almost seems passive aggressive. Sure loving my vacation, Nancy. Thanks for the good one meal. Because <laughs> I'll go build another bridge so I can get a second one. Post-dinner, she convinces all the boys to come to the fourth dance of the book. They get all dressed up. Nancy says, it's hard to tell who's the handsomest here. <laughs> and Dave, having had to hang out with Ned this whole time, <laughs> and knowing how he's been feeling, says, you'd better say Ned. <laughs> Bert and I don't need your validation right now. We just made a bridge. Nancy, it may sound silly to you, Ned, but I have a strange feeling. Call it intuition if you will that tonight i'll find margaret judson you seem very positive could you help me i thought you didn't need assistance <laughs> nancy's like oh ned she tries to explain that she can't explain he's just like yeah 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 just tell me what to do and i'll carry out orders yeah just point me in the way where your muscle goes <laughs> ned are you willing to substitute sleuthing for dancing tonight and also do you care if your answer doesn't matter now they finally all go to the dance with their favorite dates that's the best way of saying they're dating. They're their favorite dates. <laughs> yes. Ned and Nancy leave a blank page in a statue while they're pretending to watch goldfish and because the water. They're, because they're convinced, I think, that Margaret wants to communicate with them through it. But they're not convinced. They, they think, think it Barty wrote Might be this Barty note. pretending to be Margaret. Yeah. It's all very cloak and dagger. Nancy, Ned, will you do me another favor? <laughs> Ned, you know I will. You know I will. <laughs> this 
may sound silly, but I'd like you to drive me to the vicinity of Hemlock Hall. She has decided she must find Margaret Judson tonight. So much so she's going to call all the real estate agents at their homes in the middle of the night to ask them if they've sold a house to Margaret Judson. Yeah, Nancy saying I have an intuition that I'm going to meet Margaret Judson tonight is like me saying I have an intuition I'm going to have the last piece of chocolate cake, even though I just started that cake. (laughs) Like you're going to push your way through it and make it happen. Something like the second real estate agent they talk to is like, oh yeah, definitely sold a house to a Margaret Judson. Here's her address. (laughs) Do you need anything else? My children's names, my social security number. (laughs) They show up. The house is dark. Oh darn. She must be asleep. But wait, here comes a woman towards the house. Let's hide. Yes. Wait till she goes inside. They watch her go in and turn on the light and then they knock. They knock on the door. It's always so awkward for me when someone pops out of my bushes while I'm walking inside and says, your agent sent me here. Yeah. But if they knock on the door and say that, it's fine. Yes. (laughs) Back at the dance. George is doing some sleuthing of her own. We have B-Squad sleuth team. (laughs) Bess, George, Dave, and Bert. George gets a call from her mom. Mrs. Fane in River Heights, lonesome for the sound of her daughter's voice, had telephoned merely to inquire if George was all right. George, instead of listening to her mom, is only listening to the hotel clerks talk about a forger that they discovered. And we get just enough clips of George's mom trying to talk to her that, like, it's completely unclear what she's trying to say. I think her father might be in the hospital, but we don't find out. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, 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 mom. Yeah, thank you. Bye. George overhears the letters B-A-R and the letters M and T, and uh, B-A-R were the first three letters of Martin Bardescu's last name. Mr. Bardescu. <laughs> tea. Tea like the truth. Spill the tea. The Joker's gonna be at the tea hideout. <laughs> George approaches her friends. Bardescu is definitely a forger and apparently the hotel people are on to him. So uh, they find him and George says, Bess, we must capture him. Bess says, we can't do that alone. George, no, we must get Bert and Dave. Uh, Barty, meanwhile, is finding the blank page that Nancy left in the statue. And he is not happy about it. He's like, ah, she bested me. Capture that man, Bess whispered. Now's our chance, Bert whispered. As you might when four teenagers (laughs) bum rush you. (laughs) Partiscu reacts with... Terror? Yeah, I was just saying, let's... Let's say uh, he's phased. But the way the book puts this is, sensing the boy's intent, he gave a cry of alarm and fled. Yeah, I I think I would sense the intent too. Right. He's running. That means he's guilty. (laughs) Don't let him get away, Dave cried. Bert, who was a champion sprinter on the Emerson College track team, Mm -hmm. soon overtook the man and threw him to the ground. Barty, what's the meaning of this outrage? Let me up. Earlier, the B-Squad had found a key in the grass and decided it was a clue. It wasn't. (laughs) But they're now realizing it was the key to the storage shed. So that's where they lock Bardescu in. Dave, we'll release you when the police come, you low-down forger. Barty, I've never forged anything in my life. 
George runs in to get the manager. Yeah. She said, we found your forger. Come quickly. You got him? The manager is like, what? He demanded incredulously. Bess and George were glowing with pride. <sighs> Unfortunately, hotel manager is like, uh, there's been a mix up. This is not the guy. Yeah. So they pull Bardiskew, soiled and, <laughs> and crumpled out of this, out of this storage shed. <laughs> Never before in my life have I been so abused and insulted. And George is like, but, but B-A-R, M-T. The manager's like, yeah, another guy. Just a different guy, Barney. George, I shouldn't have acted so impulsively. George says it best, I think, here. I seem to have achieved the prized (laughs) boo-boo. Well said, George. Yes. So she wants to know why Barty's been weird. And Barty's like, I'll only tell Nancy Drew. It's literally none of your business. And you're the (laughs) B-Squad. Cut back to them talking to Margaret Judson. Now that they have Margaret Judson, they're getting the full backstory. Mrs. Brownell came over for a sleepover. They were looking at Ms. Judson's prized jewels in her brass chest. Which Mrs. Brownell, who owned that jeweled compact, was probably planning on stealing because she's the jeweled compact lady. But instead, she left her jeweled compact, probably as a mark. Margaret put it into the chest, locked it up for the night. For safety. Yeah, and And then then the house burned. The house burned. Like, it happens. The house burned down. She ran out of the house with only the chest. Then she's lost in the woods for days? She runs around and she doesn't remember much. Blacks out. And she's lost her chest somewhere. Now, Mrs. Brownell accuses her of stealing her jeweled compact, and she can't prove otherwise. In fact, Mrs. Brownell says, you've got to pay me six grand. It's a $5,900 compact, and it was a $100 picture of my daughter. And so she basically blackmails her. Yeah. And that's why she runs away. She doesn't want uh, her fiance to have to marry a thief. Ned says, but you're innocent, aren't you? <laughs> Margaret, oh, yes, yes. I have never done anything dishonest in my life. When she finds out this entire threat was baseless, you mean she couldn't have had me arrested? I don't think so. No. <laughs> Ned lets her know that running away was the worst thing she could have done it's just like so salt in the wounds for him to even mention that i feel like he does that at these things right margaret and mark are finally reunited margaret mark mr drew nancy and ned decided that the happy reunion should be private in another show of complete inappropriate flirting nancy laughingly pressed her fingers against her father's lips This is how she gets him not to interrupt these people. Yeah. Her hand on his mouth. Wait, Dad, until you've heard my story. (laughs) Carson Drew decided to take Margaret Judson into his confidence because, of course, she's innocent. As easily as she became guilty, she became innocent. She's so clearly sad. They all decided to set a trap for Mrs. Brownell and Mrs. Cartlett to uh, prove that they're jewel thieves. Margaret is to have them over, tell her, oh, I found my chest. Here's your jeweled compact. And when they admit it's their jeweled compact, they're admitting they're the jewel thieves. As I sit here trying to remember why that worked. 
<laughs> I realize I'm not a detective. Nancy's sorry to leave Ned taking care of the patient again. Right. We got to cut back to the golf for a second. Ned is like, besides plenty of excitement, I've found some fascinating books here on wildlife. <laughs> a little passive aggressive. Figured out that Nancy's into nerds. Yeah. He's going to be a smart nature lore guy. Yeah. Nancy reassures George, don't feel bad about your mistake, George. It's served Barty right. And Nancy has decided he's just a practical joker. He thinks it's fun to keep us mystified. George in disgust. Hmm. I guess it's about now that we realize that nothing Barty did had anything to do with the with the mystery. She talks to him eventually. And he's like, I figured out you were the famous girl detective. I knew who you were. You're Nancy Drew. I decided I wanted to mess with you. He says match wits, to be fair. Match wits with you. So I, ch- I did my handwriting wrong to reel you in it worked then i said i knew margaret which i did then i pretended to know her extra when you called me i knew it was you (laughs) i gave you fake codes Uh i went to the place and went back Uh so you would follow me i wrote you as margaret to get you to leave a note um yeah i win i feel like yeah Nancy, I only hope my golf match won't keep me from witnessing the grand finale to the mystery. I would like to point out that she wins with a score of 69. (laughs) So now she is late to the big reveal and the grand finale. So she runs, 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 runs over the bridge that they've fixed. But now she takes a pause. Moaning and groaning filled the air, louder than ever. And the scarecrow danced wildly in the wind. Nancy stopped in the middle of the bridge gazed up into the tossing treetops. Listening carefully, suddenly she gave a little smile and with a nod of satisfaction, hurried on. We had solved the screams, but what were the moans and groans? I think Nancy just figured it out. It was the branches. It's the branches. Mrs. Brownell talks pretty quickly. She doesn't want her daughter involved. She doesn't want them to tell her daughter, but so long as they don't tell her daughter that she's arrested, she's going to speak on what's happened. She accidentally got involved in a life of crime and she feels repentant she offhandedly mentions she did have the jeweled compact she lost two years ago replaced so there's at least three jeweled compacts in the mix on this one mm-hmm. and probably two pictures of a daughter mrs brownell has even kept the uh receipts that she got from the pawn shop when she sold Mrs. the jewels she had stolen from margaret judson so margaret who's been in dire financial straits because i guess we forgot to mention she let her insurance lapse oh, so she got nothing for yeah. the house the fire was a true accident, though, not the jewel thieves doing. Right, because she probably would have liked to have stolen more. So she finally has some sort of financial recompense, which is that she can buy back jewelry. Wait a minute, that's not helpful. Now there's some final thoughts. I think we were all rather surprised that Martin Bardescue had nothing to do with the jewel smuggling. Apparently he's just a boaster. Her father smiled. They were keeping him in this strange place where we can't think he's too villainous. Mm-hmm. Her father had even said earlier, oh, you know, we need to find this Judson woman, but Bardescue, it's all circumstantial. And it like barely was. No. Haley admits that he's the one who put up the scarecrow to scare people away from his mountain lion that like the screams and moans probably would have done the trick that's there's something so funny about setting up a ghost to keep people away from a mountain lion because nothing's safe there i didn't want anybody here but now i'm glad to have friends like you and as they all cross the bridge nancy happily says to scarecrow goodbye old mr ghost (laughs) 
<laughs> a million thanks for spooking me into a very puzzling mystery. Carson brought you here, but it's fine. Yeah, the ghost did it. <laughs> they told Ned, go have some fun now on your vacation. And he says, how long do you think Nancy Drew can just have fun? Only until the next mystery comes along, say in three days. And he was wrong, reader. It was It was a couple of weeks. But Nancy defends herself, mysteries are fun too. Be sure you are all around to help solve the next one. The clue of the tapping heels. So we'll leave you with uh, some creaking and moaning trees. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from outside of the cafeteria. We've got some moaning trees of our own. <laughs> I guess that's kind of spooky. Well, I think you were more spooked by the mountain lion. Yeah, when I first played that for Carl, he ate some humble pie. I'll be eating humble pie until next time. And all I have to say until then is I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go Wildcats! to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours in.